Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. You know, after 20 years of our, our 20th year anniversary as a church, we'll be here in a few months. And in those 20 years, we've never had our own place that we've owned. We've rented, leased everywhere that we've, we've gone, and that's been wonderful. But at the same time, it's been limiting in some ways, and we've paid a lot of rent over the years. Uh, I figure we've probably paid close to a million dollars in rent just here in the last nine years. Pretty amazing. Uh, I'd rather have that for us, right, and pay it off and be able to bless other people and more missions and all those type of things. And plus to have adequate spaces for our kids in particular, for more adult classrooms, uh, more room in here as well. So all that the Lord has really blessed us with this past June, we were able to purchase uh, an amazing place that uh, we'd had our eye on for a long time. It took a long time to get it. But, um, and there's a lot of story of that. We'll share more of the details of that probably later as well. But it's the uh, Renolda Common Shopping Center off of Renolda Road. We had, it's actually 73,000 square feet of building space on 9.6 acres. We got all of that for $1.3 million, which is amazing. Honestly, there are many homes in this city that cost more than that, right? And um, we got that for, for a lot, I mean, a lot of space with a lot of possibilities. And it also came with um, some tenants, renting tenants, and then a lot of empty space. The building was only about 11% full when we bought it. Um, that has changed a lot. And we, so we've kept five of the six existing renters, and we've added several. And so we only have a few empty spots left right now, which is really good. And so what's going to happen is that rental income will help pay for and cover the loan for the upfitting and then once the loan is paid off, which we want to pay that off quickly, hopefully we can double up on it at some point. That would be wonderful. Um, then we can just continue to give more into missions in particular. We have some, uh, a lot of missional type of things in our hearts that we'd love to do that we haven't had a chance to do yet. So uh, I think that'll help with a lot of that. But for some of you may know this too, is some of the, the, the connection is remarkable of just the location. So 270 years ago, 15 Moravian men from 15 different trades made the three-month trek from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania to Bethabara, which is a mile from here. It took them three months to get there. I recently drove it in seven hours, right at Thanksgiving. It's amazing. The, I thank, thank you, God, for roads. I thank God for roads when I'm driving on them, thinking about people with um, wagons and horses and axes and going across no bridges, all those guys, just amazing. Uh, and so these guys came in mid-1700s to reach the Native Americans. They came to North Carolina. They bought what is, they called it the Wachovia Tract. That Wachovia Tract fits in all of Forsyth County now. And it was 100,000 acres. They came to establish an outpost to reach the Native peoples here. And that is the reason why Winston-Salem began, is because a group of people called Moravians came because they wanted to reach the lost with the gospel. And that turned into a city, turning into another city, went from Bethabara to Salem, and then Winston started as really the, 
um, kind of the, the, the unbelievers, the non-believers, business community that wanted to do business with the believers. That's kind of how Winston came about, and then they joined in 1913. But um, where the Moravians first came to and established this place called Bethabara, again, a mile from here, is right next, adjacent to the property that we just bought. In fact, it's, there's the Bethabara Trail, which goes through, I think, three miles of Bethabara um, from the cemetery and all along some of the, uh, the, the fort type of area where they, they lived. That trail ends right at our property. In fact, you can go from our parking lot without crossing the street, go over the bridge, and there's a trail right underneath Ronaldo Road that goes on this three-mile you know, path through Bethabara. And that really meant a lot to me because when we first started this church, I'd never heard of, I'd never been to Winston-Salem uh, in the mid-90s. And the Lord started giving me dreams and words, started speaking to me about this place called Winston, started talking to me about the Moravians. And then when we came up here and started the church, one of the things the Lord began speaking to me was that we were a part of what he wanted in his mind, what his heart was for us awake to be a part of an uncapping of ancient wells that the Moravians had dug, spiritual wells, one of worship, one of prayer, and one of outreach and mission. And so that has been part of our mission as a body is to help uncap what the Lord already started 270 years ago. And so for, to then give us property right next to where they first came is pretty amazing to me. And it just feels a bit full circle. And then uh, little things that you may not know, but Sarah Haley, who was just up here worshiping, and her brother Seth, who was on our board, are Moravians. In fact, your great-great-great-great-great-grandfather was one of those 15 that came here to Bethabara. That's pretty amazing. All these full circle things that the Lord is, is doing, he has a whole lot to do yet. And this is like a beginning. It's like a, a reset in a way and a, a new beginning for us where, for things that we haven't even anticipated. I didn't anticipate um, kind of being for Beth uh, and I to kind of pastor businesses with the businesses that are there now. But I, we love it. There is something so wonderful about the, the business community and the unreached. And we're gonna see what God does with with all this. Well, there's a lot of surprises ahead. Uh, but God wants to change our city. He wants to use you. He wants to use us to bring light and life and joy and hope in him. Everywhere, it's going to be a lot of fun. But I want to give you just a, a, a little bit of a, um, just a visual on where we were and where we're heading uh, as part of this update. So you can put that first slide up. That's what the building looked like when we bought it. Um, look at those big old bushes there, by the way. You can go to the next one, and that's what it looked like about three or four months ago, right after it got painted, and we yanked out the big bushes. We planted a lot of other ones. You can go to the next one. And all these volunteers did all this, by the way, you guys. Um, that was halfway through the painting. Keep going. This is what it will look like or similar, very similar to this here in the next few months. The, the big space, you can keep going. There's straight on. We're going to add a bunch of windows in there. Keep going. There's a side view. There is the uh, new layout that will seat probably 770 or so people in there. 
It's going to have a large classroom that will be the what we call the well is the room right here that seats probably 50 or 60. This one will probably seat 100, 150 or so in there. Um, more bathrooms, storage room, many more adult classrooms. Place for the kids. See where the kids' location is the bottom right. We can hear them right through the wall in here, which is okay. But they're going to have, they can be extra loud in their own space. They're also going to have a multi-purpose room in the bottom far left. I know it's hard to read all this, but the bottom far left is a multi-purpose room. They'll have a basketball hoop in there. Kids can run around and um, they can play games and stuff in there. Um, and then a youth room. The youth have never had their own space. Uh, it's just a wonderful place. We're also going to have a business in the top left that is going to be coffee shop and bakery that will be working with us. I'm just trying to figure out how we're going to endure worship services smelling <laughs> the wonderful smells that will be coming from there. But uh, we're really excited about this. We can go to the next one. Just a, maybe a glimpse of what a, the entry may look like coming in. Okay. All right. And that's, so that, that's it. And so um, where we are in the process right now, we've been working with a bank to get a large loan that will cover all the upfitting costs and the previous purchase loans. We want to roll the old loan into it, which is $975,000. We're going to roll that into it. And then we'll have a construction loan that we can draw upon as we go over the next several months to do the build out. Um, we are close to closing on that loan. Uh, could be within the next week to 10 days, which is great. Um, and then we'll just be paying interest only on the draws. And so well, that will happen over the next year. Um, we need some, there's some permitting that we have to have because this is in, the building is in a floodplain. So we need to have a floodplain permit before any of the other permits can, can get pushed through. And we need help from the Lord on that. We're working on that right now. We're hoping that happens in the next week as well. A lot of things in the next week need to start happening. Once that happens, then it's like dominoes. And then all the, the demo permit and all the other building permits take place. So we, Lord, we ask for that floodplain permit in Jesus' name. Um, I want to thank you all for your generosity. Those who have known about this when we started, we asked, um, really opened up the opportunity to give toward this project in March of this year. And since then, you have given right around $400,000. That's amazing. Thank you for your generosity. It's incredible. It's blown me away, honestly. Um, if you have another $4 million, that would be awesome too, just to let you know, because we'd love to go into this debt-free. Wouldn't that be amazing? So um, feel free to keep giving. And if there's, you know, if you have extra to this, even toward, you know, this end of the year, we have this Sunday and next Sunday, our last two Sunday services of the year. We're not gonna have a service on the 26th. Um, but if, if you would like to give toward this, you can do it through our app. There's a new building project. Uh, you can do it through our website. Just go to awakechurch.com. You can find the new, uh, click giving, and then there's opportunity to do it that way. You can drop off a check. Um, but we want to just continue to have uh, the least amount of debt that we can possibly have going into this so that we're not burdened by anything. And the Lord is taking care of us in amazing ways, but would love for you to continue to give toward that. We, can, we receive cash, stock, gold, silver, diamonds, and crypto. Whatever form you want to give of those things, 
we can use it toward this. So thank you. There's the update on that. And thanks for your prayers on it. We'll give you a continued update. I'll be able to tell you a little bit more once everything gets closed on the loan side, and then we can move forward. We're hoping to start January 1st in earnest um, with all the demo and want to be in there if we can by June, mid to late June. So uh, if all goes well, our lease for this place ends the end of June. So we need to be somewhere else by the time our lease ends. So uh, there's a little bit of need for that. And the Lord, will he'll t- he's always taking care of us. So, all right, um, let me shift gears a little bit. I wanna, you know, we, David and I did not coordinate on what I was gonna share with what he was going to sing. Uh, we never do, or rarely, I should say. Sometimes I'll say, hey, would you do this song? But usually he just, you know, hears from the Lord. But that last song, about preparing him room really is part of what I want to talk about today. Um, as we are in the midst of the Christmas season, I want to get a head start on talking about Jesus, though we can talk about him year-round, and we do, but it never gets old talking about Jesus. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he is worthy to be talked about. He's the pinnacle of creation, the author of life, It's the reason that we are here. Jesus is the reason that we are here. The reason that we live and move and have our being, it's because of him. He's got the highest name. How about that? We get to say his name, the greatest name. He has all authority in heaven and on earth, all authority in heaven and on the earth. And we get to speak his name. We get to know him. He's the ultimate solution to every human need. Every human need. People get looking all over the place for things to try and solve needs that they have. Jesus is the ultimate solution for every human need, every internal need, every problem. And the more that we surrender to him, the freer we become. And that's something. You surrender to someone else and the more bound you become. You surrender to Jesus more, the more free you become. How about that? That's how it works with him. Jesus is clarity of mind, heart and soul. He brings clarity of mind, clarity of thinking, clarity of spirit when we pursue him. He is perfect theology. If if you're looking for perfect theology, it's a person, Jesus. What he said is perfect theology. He is love. He doesn't just have some. He is love. He he makes crooked ways straight. He brings order out of chaos. I love that. He writes every ship that's upside down. He can change our lives. He sets every prisoner free. Prisoners of sin, of crazy thoughts, of fear and anxiety. Jesus is freedom for us from all of those prisons. He's a deliverer from addictions. He's the healer of hearts and bodies, restorer of minds. We could take the next year with each person in here and have you share your testimony about what Jesus has done for you and we would not get bored or run out of testifying about what he has done 
for each one of us. In fact, let me do it with one person right now. This is also spontaneous, so who knows what's coming out. This is Andy Harvey. Hey, Andy. You mind standing up? You guys know Andy? If you don't, he's a great guy. So how long have you known the Lord? Oh, a long time. 40 years. 40 years. Before that, what were you? I was a bad person, bad sinner. <laughs> what kind of bad sinner? A bad sinner that was doing bad things. <laughs> I'm not sure you really want to know what I was. <laughs> I know a little bit. Yeah. But then what happened? Well, what happened is that uh, somebody told me about Jesus. I said yes, and everything changed. Not just one thing, but everything. Every mm -hmm. single little thing. Never been the same since. How old were you? I was about 20. I was 22. And when you were told about Jesus, what was that process to get from hearing about him to life change? You know, for me, more than anything else, it was there's something that happened. There's no doubt about it that God came in and completely changed my life. It, it was a, a born-again experience without a doubt. I knew of a certainty as soon as I said yes to Jesus. I mean, I said, yes, I believe in you. I believe in what you said you are and who you said you are. I believe in the resurrection. Immediately, I felt the change. Immediately, I felt completely new. I couldn't explain it, but I knew that God had changed me from the inside <laughs> out. And everything changed. Everywhere yeah. I went, it changed. And yeah. that, that's been a lot of years since then. It's been a lot of years. Thank you, Lord. And, you know, it, it resulted in us getting together and yeah. me speaking words about what was happening here. And yep. here we are. Pretty awesome. And Great big God. Yes, he is. Thank yeah. you, Andy. Yeah, so there's just one person who heard about Jesus and responded. Repented, responded, and then Jesus floods in and does what people can't do. Sets free, cleanses, heals, changes your mindset. Uh, when I first met Andy, he's actually the first person, I, this isn't planned either, but he was the first person I ever met from Winston-Salem. And we were in Charlotte at a conference. And um, I was there by myself. I was single. Um, he was there. I don't think your wife was with you on that trip. And um, we, we just met, and he kind of prophesied to me about, which I didn't even remember till much later, about planting some sort of a church, I believe, uh, in Winston-Salem, which is crazy. So here we are. And you just shared that testimony. And, you know, God is just, he is so huge and so loving and so personal and sets people free. He sets people free. He breaks off addictions. Isn't that amazing? I've known so many people. I, a friend of mine uh, that I met in Sri Lanka, heroin addict, heroin addict, Severe. He's a business owner and then total mess in his life, complete mess. Everything was downward spiral. And then someone told him about Jesus, similarly. And when he gave his life to the Lord, he surrendered. He didn't try to add Jesus on. He surrendered his life and his heroin addiction went away entirely. It was entirely broken. And I found that too, that to the degree that we surrender, equals a degree of our freedom. If we just say, you know, mental assent doesn't set us free. He says that the demons believe. How about that one? Demons believe 
in Jesus. There's a difference between believing in him and surrendering to him, giving him our entire life, letting him come in all the way into our hearts and our minds and take over and cleanse and heal. Sometimes people get really frustrated with the amount of deliverance or freedom from addictions they've had when the amount of their surrender has been small. And I understand that frustration, but a lot of times it's like, okay, God, I'm not going to let, hang on to these things anymore. I'm gonna let go of them and let you have them. It's a little scary, but it's freeing. And then it's wonderful. And then you think, why did I ever hang on to that thing anyway? Once you get on the other side, it's hard to imagine. Like you, I have been an observer of the mess in the world. You and I are in the world every day. You see it, and then it comes toward you, and you're around it, and you see the world is in bad shape, isn't it? Goodness sakes, you don't have to have two good eyes even to recognize that. You can, just, you can be partially blind or fully blind and recognize that the world is a mess in every way. The God of this, the God of this world is selfishness, and it's just self-absorbed and focused. And then you and I have this flesh that's very selfish as well. So the enemy loves to work with that. That's why Jesus said you need to die daily. And when we die daily to ourselves and surrender to him, he's alive on the inside. But the, the world doesn't know about that. And so it's just the God of this world's selfishness just working with the enemy to do all kind of crazy things that really are upside down. And then you've got all kind of, with selfishness comes lust and lots of confusion. Loving the things that are in the world. And there's confusion in every sector. Gender confusion, relational confusion, directional confusion, purpose confusion, moral confusion, ethical confusion, historical confusion, confusion of every type. Without Jesus, the further we get away from Jesus, the more confused we become because Jesus is clarity and he is life and he is truth and he is the way, right? He's the way, the truth, the life, he's clarity. We distance ourselves from him, we are opening ourselves up to confusion. Confusion in every level and every kind. That's why we need Jesus. And the enemy is not only real, but he's raging. He knows his time is short. We are getting closer and closer, of course, everyone knows this, to the end. We're as close as anybody's ever been, right? <laughs> and the enemy is raging. He is doing his very best to ruin, hurt, harm, kill, steal, and destroy, confuse and deceive as many as possible. He does not want you or me or any of our loved ones to know God, follow God, be filled with the Spirit, love God, surrender to Jesus. He wants none of that. So he is constantly using the things in the world, selfishness to try and pull us in the wrong direction, to keep us bound. And then all these kind of thoughts that he sends. He is the prince of the power of the air. And he speaks. He's a blabbermouth. He's talking constantly. And you have heard his words. Everyone does. You've heard God too. God's got a much better voice. There's always hope and peace attached to God's voice. 
Even if there's conviction, there's hope in it. It's like, oh, yes, because I, I don't have to live in this. I can change. You can change me if I give this to you. The enemy's voice, so different. It's hopeless and it's selfish. And it comes with all kind of craziness. Those thoughts, those words. I mean, I've had those words hit me uh, and those feelings. I was telling my staff here not that long ago, I, was, I had a, an experience a year ago that was so weird where the enemy, I, I, didn't, I couldn't have said it was just the enemy right then, but he was trying to get me to jump off of a building. I was in this high rise, staying on a, a room way up, and I was on the balcony. I love heights, actually. I love the mountains. I love views. And I felt this compelling urge to jump. And if I would jump, I wouldn't die. I felt it. It was, it was real, so real. It was like, and I just kept thinking, okay, if I just go, I'll just fly. It was horrible. I had to push myself away from that balcony, close the door, and I just started praying, asking the Lord for help. And then it wasn't until maybe a week later that I realized, I think David Olinger mentioned to me, that's what, you know, the, what the temptation Jesus went through, right? Took him up on a high place, said, jump off, you won't die. Same type of temptation, but that's how, that's the devil. That's his voice. That wasn't me. I wasn't wanting to do that. That was the enemy's lies in the air, hoping that we'll hang on to one and consider it. Do you know that this is how most people get involved in homosexuality? Lies in the air that say, oh, and a feeling too sometimes that maybe you are, just think about it, maybe explore. It's, it's those type of things. And we have to say, no, this is not what God made it this way. He made it completely differently. That's not God's way. So we have to break away from that mindset. Say, like, whoa, wait a minute. This is not scriptural. This isn't peaceful. This isn't God. This isn't natural. Um, there's so much. I was recently speaking at a place. Uh, it's actually a school. And the staff are so concerned about their kids 30% of the school, this is right now in high school, 30% of their kids have gender confusion. They don't know what sex they are or what they want to be or should be. Or, because the enemy has now approved to everybody that you can just choose whatever gender you want to be. You know, for thousands of years, we've all known, every, even little kids, there's a mom and a dad, there's a male and a female, two genders, that was it. Thousands of years. All of a sudden, can you believe how fast things have happened? Just in the last few years, now all of a sudden, even our president said an eight-year-old chooses, gets to choose what gender they are. What? This is, this is insanity. It really is. It's the enemy's lies all whispered in the air, hoping people will hang on to some, and people are. But Jesus brings clarity. We give our lives to him. We, then we take his word. Oh, man. He said, if you abide in my word, Jesus said, if you abide in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Plus, he is the word. In John 15, he said, if you abide in me, right? So if we abide in him and his words, we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. But we're not gonna find truth by giving in to temptation or the enemy's crazy thinking. You just get more bound. When we do what the enemy wants us to do, when we don't live by the words of God or by 
what Jesus says. We need the Lord so desperately. So we're watching on our watch right now, we're watching the enemy just go nuts. And people and societies agreeing with the lies of the enemy and being deceived. But you know, Jesus, Daniel, before Jesus, Paul, they've all warned us that we were going to experience this, that the world was gonna fall, that the wheels were gonna come off and the deception would abound. But you and I need to stay free from deception. We need to stay free from deception by staying near to Jesus as he is clarity and wash ourselves with his word. Fill our spirit with his word. Let reading his word wash over me. It says of husbands in Ephesians, this is what you're supposed to do for your wife too, by the way. Wash her with the word of God. Speak over her the words of life that come from here. Wash one another with what God says. Don't try and figure out what the enemy's saying. That's what got Eve in a mess. Listening to what the enemy said and trying to figure out it, trying to figure it out inside of herself. And then putting value on anything that he said. He's just a liar. He made her feel that she was distant from God. The reality was. She was walking with God in a garden. She was near. But his lies were listened to, then believed, then acted upon, and the whole world gets in a mess from there, right? Yeah. Plus, Adam wasn't doing his job because he knew better. But it's the same thing today. The enemy has no new tricks. He just uses the same ones over and over and over, lying, deceiving, trying to get us to believe something that's not real or right. And then you get all this mess. But Jesus is clarity. He is love. He is power. Philippians 2, 14 and 16 says this, do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. A crooked and perverse generation. We are in a crooked and perverse generation. It says, whom you appear as lights in the world. You know, when you have the light of the world in you, you are a light. When you keep your eyes on the light of the world, you're illuminated, you shine. When you're not grumbling and complaining, you're shining because it's normal to grumble and complain in the world. So you do the abnormal in that sense, abnormal for the world by being thankful, full of gratitude, praising Jesus, loving people. I, I hate the, that people are deceived so badly, particularly related to the gender confusion, homosexuality. Man, I love these people, not against them. And we shouldn't be angry with them. They are simply deceived. They're just deceived, so we pray for them. We love them even more, smile even more, accept them. And then want God to change them and help them and free them. But we also need to speak truth in that love. John 8, I've already said that one, 31, 32. If you continue in his word, where his disciples will know the truth and the truth will set us free. You know, and Jesus is interested in not just our behavior, but he's interested in what's going on on the inside of us. 
Do you know that? He's interested in what's going on in your mind and your heart, not just your body. In Matthew chapter five, Jesus takes the bar and raises it up instead of lowers it. And many people have, and there's some teachings related to what I would call hypergrace, where the bar is just lowered. And just everybody, it doesn't matter what you do, everything is forgiven, you just do whatever. That's not what Jesus did, really. He did allow anyone to receive him and be forgiven, but he raises the bar in how we live. Better than the Pharisees were living, but by grace, by faith. In Matthew chapter five, he said, if you even have lust in your heart for another woman, you're committing adultery in your heart. He wasn't even talking about the body part. He's talking about internally the way that Jesus has done things because of his blood and his power and what in his love for us, he's enabled us to live free from the sins externally, but also internally. And that's where the sins typically start anyway, right? That happen externally, start in here. What am I thinking about? What am I dwelling upon? What do I want? What do I desire? What am I imagining? Jesus said, I don't want you imagining adultery and and not just staying away from it with your body. I want you to, on the inside, to be free from those imaginations. That you would see that as sin, that you would bring that to me and let me forgive you and let me renew your mind. He wants our minds renewed, our hearts filled with, we're supposed to be people of holiness. That's not a, a bad word. It's a beautiful word. It's what God is, it's who he is, he's holy. And, if we, and we're supposed to be like him in that way. It starts on the inside. Jesus does this as we surrender to him. If we don't hold on to things and allow him to have them, he will change us by his spirit into a different person. Just as Andy was talking about, everything changed. He wants everything in us to change. You're a new creation. All things become new. The way we think, what we dwell upon, and then our actions, all of them together. Jesus is the one that does that as we allow him to. He's the restorer too. You know, anything you give him, he can either make it new if it needs to be made new, or he can restore it if it needs to be restored. If we give him those things, he can do whatever needs to be done. Galatians 5.1 says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, keep standing firm. Don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery which you were once removed from. Stand firm. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. So we want to use our freedom to serve one another, not for our own flesh. Don't let the enemy and selfishness work with our freedom, but use our freedom to love people, to love Jesus. Okay. You know, God came to the earth. He's come a few different times in significant ways. The first one was when he after he made the world, and he then made us. He came down there, got his hands dirty in the dirt, formed mankind, breathed into them, caused life to happen. The next time that we see him coming, we see him in the form of a baby, Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, growing to be a man. And then the next time we see him coming is at Pentecost, right, where the Spirit of God, so we have the Father and then the Son, and then we have the Holy Spirit coming and filling every believer, empowering them to live out this life that Jesus purchased. 
empowering us with gifts to be not only not addicted or bound by sin, but to have gifts to bless other people. Pretty amazing. The Holy Spirit came to empower the bride, Jesus's bride, so that we can live completely different than we used to live. You see that with the lives of Peter in the Bible, just one of the, in all the disciples, but really you see this Peter so dramatically, the guy struggling so often as we often do as well, and then when the Holy Spirit comes, boy, just do things change for him. Man, do things change for him. He still had some struggles, but there was now a new power. There was a new ability. He became a new person. People didn't recognize him anymore. The new Peter, the Holy Spirit did this inside of him. So we would also receive the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit. Desperately, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the cleansing spirit of Jesus, the power, the blood of Jesus, but we also need the power of the Holy Spirit, this other God part to fill us, to be with us. And then there's a fourth time coming, right? Of Jesus returning in power in a completely different form. He first came as a baby. The second time he comes, he's coming as a king who's coming to kick butt, rule, and take his bride, receive his bride. You and I, the body of Christ, his body, his bride. It's pretty amazing. And so part of our lives right now, we're preparing for that day, doing what he has given us to do, living the way that he wants us to live, not for ourselves, but for him, and fulfilling the purpose that he's put us here on the earth to do until he returns. And then then he'll give us all new purpose. Who knows what that's gonna look like? He's gonna have, it's not over when he returns. That's another new beginning. We're gonna live forever with him. But what is going on right now, we need to live in the moment of what he has for us right now. What does he have for us to do today? My surrender, my following him, my believing in him, my living large in him. And it's my desire personally that all of us would grow in love, red hot, love for Jesus that our hearts would never get cold, that we would stay fully awake in him and live full of his spirit, ready with our, our lamps full of oil, as Jesus talked about right before he comes. Those virgins, those who kept their lamps full of oil, which to me speaks of staying full of the Holy Spirit, awaiting his return, doing what he wants us to do while we're waiting. David talked about waiting. While we're in this waiting period, that we're doing what he wants us to do. Not for ourselves, but for him. We need him so personally, that love for him so personally, that we're not relying on another person or a Christian for our faith and not trusting in another person. So that if they fail, then our heart fails. I've seen that so many times in my Christian life and knowing the Lord all the years I've known the Lord watching leaders fall, whether it's morally, um, ethically, in other ways, leaving the Lord, leaving ministry, and then watching people really get tossed around and many of them leaving the faith altogether because of the failure of, of one person. May that never be you or me, right? Not just the failing, but the losing faith because our faith needs to be wrapped in Jesus personally, who will never fail, 
right? So even if people make mistakes, if they fall, if they fail, that's not going to wreck my faith one bit because my faith is not in another person. It's in Jesus. It's in him. In fact, people will fail. So, but I'm not going to base my Christian walk on how another person walks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to base it on Jesus, on who he is. He's the foundation inside of me. Then I'm not going to be disappointed. And we never want to let go. He's never letting go of us. I want to read this last passage here. This is in Colossians chapter 1. Starting with verse 13, I'm going to read this in the Passion Translation. It says, he is the divine portrait, the true likeness of the invisible God. Speaking of Jesus, obviously. The firstborn heir of all creation, for in him was created the universe of things, both in the heavenly realm and on the earth. All that is seen, all that is unseen, every seat of power, realm of government, principality and authority, it all exists through him and for his purpose. How about that? Verse 17, he existed before anything was made, and now everything finds completion in him. Other translations say he holds all things together. Verse 18, he is the head of his body, which is the church. And since he is the beginning and the firstborn heir in resurrection, he is the most exalted one, holding first place in everything. For God is satisfied to have all his fullness dwelling in Christ. And by the blood of his cross, everything in heaven and earth is brought back to himself back to its original intent, restored to innocence again. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 21, even though you were once distant from him. How many in here were distant from him at one point? We all were, right? Even though you were once distant from him, living in the shadows of your evil thoughts and actions, he reconnected you back to himself. Thank you, Lord. He released his supernatural peace to you through the sacrifice of his own body as the sin payment on your behalf so that you would dwell in his presence. And now there's nothing between you and Father God, for he sees you as holy, flawless, and restored. If indeed you continue to advance in faith, assured of a firm foundation to grow upon, never be shaken from the hope of the gospel you have believed in. And this is the glorious news I preach all over the world. That's a powerful, powerful statement and writing of Paul's there to the Colossians. So that he would have first place in everything. So that he would have first place in every single thing. That's Jesus' desire, do you know that? That he would have first place in our lives, every part of our lives. Not one element, not Sunday only. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, that he would have first place in me. Because he's gonna have first place in everything. At some point, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is the Lord, right? But we get to do that before that's so compelling that everyone has to. We can do that now. We can bow the knee to him in every way. There's a, a story that I've been told of a man, businessman, uh, who had a love for art, went and purchased a super expensive painting, a 
an original, hundreds of thousands of dollars. I don't know if it was even in the millions. And he had this thought in his mind, I want to take this and I want to put it in my office. He had a really big office at work. But when he got there, he just thought, I, I don't even know how to do this right. So he pulled in a friend of his who was better at decorating and all of that and said, uh, I'd like to get your opinion. And so she said to him, well, how important is this painting, is this work of yours that you just purchased? He said, well, it's the most important. She said, how, compared to everything else in your office, your desk, your computer, your chairs, uh, awards, whatever, how important is it? He said, well, it's, it's more important than anything else in the room. And so she said, well, there's only one way to do this then. I'll help you. We need to pull every single thing out of your office that's in there. Trash can, plants, desk, chairs, other art, everything. We're taking it all out. And then let's put this thing that you really value in the best place. Let's, let's put it first in this room. And then we'll look at all the other stuff you have in the hallway. And we will take it and add in as it fits around the central part of your office, which is now this painting. And so that's what they did. And I realized that that is very much what Jesus wants in our lives as well. That song we just sang, make room for him. You know, that Jesus wants first place in every room in our hearts. And there are other things that compete with him. There are many, many other things that compete with him. There are many, and sometimes for some who follow Jesus, no one in here, but some who follow Jesus don't necessarily follow him that he, Jesus, is an add-on. He's an add-on. I believe in him, but my life is not his. He doesn't have first place in every room. And we want Jesus to have that first place in the rooms of our hearts. And then anything else is just complimentary. And some things need to stay in the hall. In fact, some things need to be taken downstairs and thrown in the trash bin, right? Some things never need to be used again or looked on again. We want Jesus first place in every room of our heart and mind. And so I wanna encourage us today, just as we are, especially in the season right now, preparing him room. It's a great thing to do. I do this sometimes with the Holy Spirit since he is so good to us, in us, with us, revealing truth and convicting to just say, Holy Spirit, is there anything in me that you don't like? Because if you think of yourself as a house, think of yourself as a home, what in that home might God not like? You know, if, if, if you invited me to move into your house and have the house, I would kind of want it my way. If it was mine. If it's not mine, keep it your way. But if it's really mine, then I want my kind of stuff in there. And it's gonna get changed around. If we are really his, he wants his stuff. He wants his things. The things that he loves, wants them to become our love. The things that he values. And so periodically, for me, I will just say, Holy Spirit, what about my thinking? What about what's inside of me? What I dwell upon? My actions, my behavior, the way I treat people, the way I treat my staff, the way I treat my wife, the way I treat my kids. Is there anything that you don't approve of? What do you want different in me? 
What needs to be thrown out in the hall? What needs to be changed? Because this isn't about me. This isn't about Matt. This isn't about my name, reputation, what I want, what I feel I deserve, all those kind of things. Whoop, no, we died to those, right? But we're alive in Jesus. So now it's what does he want inside of me? And just doing that, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit so gently will just highlight things. So wonderfully, just highlight things. And then I can get rid of it, adjust it, submit it to the Lord. Sometimes there are even um, relationships. There's some relationships that we're not an influence on them, they're uh, an influence on us in a negative way. Sometimes the relationships need to change. In fact, you know, Jesus said, um, you think I came to bring peace, which he did in some ways. He said, but I also came to bring a sword. And that the sword comes between family members sometimes. These, this is Jesus, this isn't red. I'm, this is, I'm not making this up. <laughs> sometimes it's between family members. And sometimes the sword is the Lord doing those things. But as we submit it all, like Abraham did with his son, then Jesus gives us back full freedom, liberty entirely. It was for freedom he set us free. We surrender to him, the more free we become. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just say even right now, this day, this day that you have made, we rejoice in the day you've made that we get to be alive Thank you, Lord, that our hearts are beating, our lungs are breathing, our minds are thinking, our eyes are seeing. We behold you and, re and receive you. We make room for you in our hearts fully. And if we haven't said it in a while, Lord, we just say we surrender to you all over again. We give you our lives. I give you my heart. I give you my mind, Lord, the things that are in there that you don't want me thinking about. Would you free me and I submit and repent for those thoughts? Let your word wash over us like a fresh, fast-running river that cleanses, that makes us think the kind of thoughts that you have, that renews our minds. Renew our mind, Holy Spirit. And thank you for your love, your kindness, your gentleness, your power. Thank you for the beauty of repentance. Thank you for the wonders of conviction. Thank you for the power of your love, Lord, and for your blood that does wash us entirely. Lord, I bless every person here today and also speak healing to people who need healed. In Jesus' name, those who the enemy has been speaking lies to them, even related to homosexuality, those type of thoughts in the air, it's not them, it's the enemy. And we break the power of the enemy's lies right now. Gender confusion for anyone here or those that we love or know, break the power of those lies in Jesus' name. God, you are not the God of confusion, you're the God of clarity. And I ask that you would bring your clarity into hearts and minds. In the name of Jesus, suicidal thoughts and oppression that has come against people, that is not you, that is the enemy. We say no to every bit of oppression, depression, thoughts that um, are so full of confusion and feel like there's no hope. 
We break the power of those thoughts right now in Jesus' name. We receive, Lord, your words over us, your words of life that you said rivers of living water will flow out of us. We're so full of life. And you and I speak that life to every single person who's depressed, who is lonely, who feels that maybe God has left in some way or is ignoring them or not paying attention. I break those lies or those thoughts in Jesus' name. Jesus said he will never leave you or forsake you. He's with you always, even to the end of the age. We are never alone. Lord, I ask that you would put those in families, in this spiritual family, this bride of Christ, people who feel disconnected, put them in the family. May they feel connected. And Lord, we just speak over the minds, and I speak over every single mind here, that we have the mind of Christ. We receive it. Let's just say that together. I have the mind of Christ. Jesus, give that to us right now. Every single one, the mind of Christ that thinks clearly, soundly, scripturally, purely. We receive a spirit of holiness. Thank you, Lord, that beautiful word, holiness. Cleansed, cleansed, washed, but thinking your kind of thoughts, your kind of thoughts towards each other. Lord, I ask that you would help, help us guard our minds and our eyes from seeing things that would pollute us, from thinking things that would be a pollution to our soul. Lord, I pray for a ruthlessness with each one of us toward thoughts that would pollute our soul, that we'd be ruthless with them. We would not allow them to stay. We'd not allow them to land. We would provide no airport for any plane of accusation, any plane of doubt, any, any plane of perversion to land. We say, Jesus, fill every runway. May your spirit have every place in our home, every room filled with you. We receive you, Holy Spirit, afresh and anew. And Lord, thank you for what you're doing, for your power, just as you did for Andy, where you changed everything in his life. Lord, for any one of us, we just feel like maybe had a few things changed, but not everything. Lord, may everything be changed. For every person here in Jesus' name, will they become new creations all of the way, filled with your spirit, free from addictions. Thank you for your name, Lord, that's above every other name. And we just say your name and say, thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.